Hello, and welcome to the Extraordinary People podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm joined with Matthew Plesey. Matt, would you like to introduce yourself? I suppose I will. Um, my name is Matthew Plesey. Um, I have been friends with Alex now for a number of years. What has it been, about five or six years? At least, yeah. Um, so, uh, who am I and, and what I do? I mean, that, that's a hard question, but generally, I would say, so I you know, met you at DePaul. I got an MBA at DePaul. Beforehand, I had an undergraduate accounting degree at the University of St. Thomas. Uh, I am a CPA. I'm also a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, an investor, um, somebody who certainly tries to do the best he can in his community, somebody who strives to be as successful as possible. Um, I'm sure the details we can talk about, but that's just generally who I am and my modus operandi. I love that. That's a really succinct answer. Truly a renaissance man, I would say. You said 30 seconds. I mean, there's (laughs) only so much one can say in 30 seconds. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, Okay, well, I want to dive in. I think you're ready for the challenge. So um, let me ask you, at what age did you become an adult? And I don't mean legally, but when did you really enter this mindset that you're in right now, kind of that CEO of your own life? mentality? I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I remember as a kid in elementary school um, really standing out from my peers. I remember I thought that my life was um, definitely set apart, um, not because of the privileges I was afforded, but because of my mindset, because of how I looked at things. Um, I remember, well, in school I did extremely well. I was valedictorian ultimately in high school. I mean, I got A's all along. I went to a special elementary school as a child for people with higher IQs. Um, I went there until we moved to a different area. But I always felt like I I stood out. I always felt like I was looking ahead. Um, Goal orientation is a real key to who I am. There's never a day I don't think about what can I do better? What can I do um, that I'm not doing now? What can I do better that I am doing? How can I be better? And that was, that was with me all along. I mean, I could think back to third or fourth or fifth grade thinking about what can I do better? How can I be better? How can I be successful? And I always had a strong affinity to running a business. And I remember even like in third or maybe fourth grade or maybe it was fifth grade, I don't exactly remember, um, my family gave me a typewriter and I would use it. And I would kind of think about what are things I can type out? What are things people in business would type out and do? And I was doing this as a kid. So, um, you know, when I think about when did I become an adult, I feel like I've been an adult most of my life um, with that mindset. Um, that That's really underscored me. And I even remember in, in high school, um, so I was the captain of the speech team. And I remember I was... I don't know if I was exactly coaching or telling somebody else basically what to do and one of the teachers walked by and she said I was born to be a boss that was what I meant to do and yeah I I really think so you know I've been managing people now for a number of years and certainly has his challenges but I think I really was meant to be a boss and I was meant to to run something and do something and, and be somebody and you know, certainly very grateful for those opportunities that everything has come together like it has. So to what degree do you think, you know, your success in this boss role is because you were kind of set in on that path early because of other people's affirmations of your skills? Or do you think regardless of if anybody had ever said anything, you would still go in this direction? You know, it's probably like, 
a bowling ball going down a bowling alley or a race car going down a racetrack. I was already going down it. I was already on my way. And that validation from the bumpers or that validation from the guardrails kept everything going forward. And I think that's what a lot of validation is for people. Those are the reinforcements. And I think people need that. Um, I think some people know more than others. I don't know if I needed it as much. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you did either, but maybe some people do. Maybe some people need more validation. You know, you will be successful, try harder, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but some people are very self-motivated. Some people just need it once or twice and they feel it, they know it, they believe it, and it is part of them to go forward. Um, so I think it depends on the person. For me, I certainly think it was a push. It was the keeping the rock going down the hill. Uh, but I let gravity do its thing, and I kept doing what I kept doing. And um, thankfully it's all worked out. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't say that because somebody said something that made it true, I would say it just helped validate what I already thought to be true. Yeah. Would you say that you rush in your life to move forward or do you move at kind of a reasonable leisurely pace? You know, I definitely have a, um, a very forward thinking mindset. I'm very much a planner. I'm very much goal orientated and that has its, it certainly has its benefits and it certainly has its drawbacks too. Um, if I think about my life, especially post-college every year, I make goals. And I segment those goals in different facets of my life. My financial goals, uh, my business goals, um, fitness goals, religious goals, um, all different aspects of your life. How do I want to improve in all of these different areas? And how can I do so? And of course, all goals need to be measurable. They need to be attainable. You know, They have to be something realistic, but you feel like it's moving you forward. Many of the goals are tactical, too. They're supporting overarching plans. Where do I want to be in 30 years? What's that long-term strategic focus on my purpose in life and where I want to be and, and what can I achieve and do? Um, so that mindset, those, you know, it's like a hamster running in your mind. It's always going. You're always thinking about achieving these, moving forward, actualizing, having impact on your life and your family's life, on, your pe on people around you. Um, so it certainly can be difficult to enjoy the moment. Um, and that's something I do strive to do a bit better. I strive to have more time to um, maybe silence the phone somewhat or silence the mind and enjoy being in something, enjoy being at an event or being with somebody else. But it can be difficult because somebody who actually is always looking forward because there's opportunities. Uh, because, I mean, not just opportunities for me, but opportunities for others and, and good I can do. Because of that, it's hard to simply pause because you don't want to let an opportunity pass by. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I'm haunted by a story that happened to me when I was in middle school. I used to be a runner, and when I was just starting out, when we would do the gym uh, mile pace, they would you know, they'd have all the kids run at whatever pace you felt comfortable with. And I would always start off as hard as I possibly could with the mentality that I'm just going to burn out all my energy and then just do my best at the end. And I would always end up with a very average pace, eight and a half minutes. I never really broke out of it. I never got to the seven minute mark. I never really passed 12 minutes. I was always kind of average. 
And I never, as a kid, really understood what I was getting wrong, which was pacing, that your body needs to regenerate as it's moving, and it can't if you burn it out, exhaust it completely. And this tendency has followed me for a long time, that I tend to he jump headfirst into things, exhaust all my conceivable energy, and then just kind of try my best to pull together the last pieces. And once I learned this about myself, it's haunted me ever since. I've, I've been trying to control for it. And part of that is that idea of stepping back and not guilting myself into working every single minute. Because it, it's possible to do that, and the people who do that oftentimes implode because of that concept that you can't just for front load all of the energy you need to kind of take it at a good pace. So one of the things that I'm really thankful for is that I started so early that I can, you know, I started in business when I was 18 years old in my first internship unpaid, and for the last seven years I've been working in business. And so without even working that hard, I was able to do so much because I just started as a child and I was molded into this thing. So I didn't have to rush. So that's kind of what I was trying to get at with you is I don't think you have to rush either. I think you've known where you needed to go so early that you can take those like well paced steps towards it. And now you're still very young. You just turned, you're in your early 30s. And you can travel, and you travel almost every week. Can you tell people about kind of how you spend your leisure time? So I think leisure is very important. Um, you know, some people would say, you know, we rest in order to work. You know, we take time off on, on the weekend, so that way we can get back to it. And But I remember in school, so I also have a degree in philosophy that... Joseph Pieper, one of the greatest um, intellectual minds around World War II, he wrote a book, and, and I think he wrote it in Germany right after World War II, and people thought he was going to say the greatest you know, crises facing the modern world has something to do with World War II, it has something to do with all this battles and all this death and all this destruction, and he wrote a, a paper that was very significant, and it basically was on the greatest problem facing modern people is we don't have leisure and we don't know how to rest and how leisure his book was leisure as the basis of culture that that was true culture was leisure we work in order to have leisure we don't have leisure in order to get back to work all of these objectives we have in our work has to ultimately go with we're living our lives we have to have true leisure and it doesn't mean just resting or sleeping or traveling or anything from there's there's many facets of what true leisure is and he gets into that uh, but the notion that to be successful, one must simply work all the time, only on their, only on you know, productive work, so to speak, or, or paid work, or it just simply falls. So when I look at my own life, I stay very busy. But part of that busyness is enjoying life. It's it, it's experiential. It's traveling. It's seeing things. It's trying new restaurants. It's meeting people. Um, it, it's helping people uh, with volunteer work, it's exercising, it's running, it's all of that. So like travel, for instance, is big for me. Um, I have, as of right now, visited 48 states. I have two left. It has been my goal for a long time uh, to visit all of them. I remember in high school, my family hated traveling. So by the time I was, I think, a sophomore in high school, I had only ever been to two states, my home state in Wisconsin, that's it. And I said, like, after that, I am going to visit as many states as possible, and I think now I've been to, what, 12 or 13 countries in 48 states, and I continue to see more, and I enjoy it so much. And um, starting this year, I've 
done a, um, another line of business, so to speak. I, I rent out my home, an Airbnb. Um, and because it's large, I can, I can usually have good groups and it's been very booked and very busy this year. And because of that, uh, it affords me the opportunity when the place is rented out to travel. So, so far this year, I've had a lot of uh, opportunities to check other places off my list. I've gone to Yellowstone like I wanted. I went to Montana. I went to Puerto Rico. I just got back last weekend from Cincinnati and Louisville on a, on a weekend trip. I did uh, uh, St. Louis. I did Northern Michigan. I did other day trips throughout Illinois. Uh, I did Minnesota. I did Fargo. That's all this summer. So it just, um, that's part of leisure for me. Not, not the only part, but that is part of leisure is experiencing life, going to these places, seeing the sights, seeing the people, going to a random bar and having a drink and maybe talking with somebody about their life. And I have great, um, great, you know, stories about randomly doing this in New Mexico and talking with a guy for like three hours at a random bar or in like Alabama where one guy ended up talking to me so long he kept buying me drinks because he wanted to tell me his life story because he said nobody would ever listen to him so i said i would listen so we talked until the place closed um so those kind of experiences to just see the world and see people and see all of these things um that energizes me that's part of true leisure so we work in order to have leisure in order to experience life in order to live life to the fullest i know people who get older and they're older than me, maybe they're late 30s or early 40s, and they work all the time, and they don't have any time for their families. They probably make, I don't know, I don't even know if they make more than me, because, you know, they work for corporations, and, you know, you only make so much, really, you know. What is yeah. a bonus when you're working all the time? It's, it's not a lot. There's not a whole lot of upside. But, you know, they're missing children's birthday parties. They're missing events. They're, you know, never have the ability to travel. For me, in order to live my life, I have to have that flexibility because life is worth living. Um, and that's that's really why like travel is so important. You gotta get out there, you have to see it, you have to hit the road, so see the people, experience life. So that's what I love. I think that that is something we share very clearly, is a, a passion for travel, a passion for living one's life in a unique way and in exploring the world in a unique way that nobody's done before. Um, kind of writing your own narrative. I think one difference between us is risk tolerance. I think that you are a very safe person um, and you, you, your batting average is very high. Like you, you typically do really well when you embark on something and you're not the, the person that's going to do a bunch of crazy moonshot stuff and a bunch of them are going to fail, um, you're more reserved and you do really well at that. Like you, you do extremely well. When you were talking about moonshots, you know, you're right. I don't, I don't just throw darts at a board. I believe, um, like the old adage says, every battle is won before it's ever fought. So why would I fight a battle that I know I won't win that doesn't support the war? So it all matters what war am I fighting? and what battles can I win, and those are the ones I'll fight. And everything else is a waste of my time. Because time is currency. Time is life. Time is extremely important. So why would I put time and, and money into doing things if it doesn't achieve some sort of objective? Um, and certainly, you know, when I was younger, maybe I did uh, some sort of, you know, experimentation in business more, you know, dabbled and maybe um, some things. I did do one business kind of starting out when I was in high school with a friend of mine 
and uh, it was a web design company and I partnered with him on that and that business did not succeed um, but it taught me some lessons it's really I would say the only thing that I've done that um, hasn't really turned out successfully of course maybe we made a little bit of money um, <clears throat> but it was really the experience more and it was it really showed me how you need to partner with somebody who actually is in it for the same objectives who wants to work um, my partner just you know he he was lazy, honestly, and he just never wanted to do the work, and he was the person who was supposed to do the web design, and, you know, we had clients, and we just couldn't serve him because he just felt like, I'm not feeling it now, I'm not going to do it, mm -hmm. so I treated it like, like a hobby, um, so I learned some valuable lessons there, uh, but yeah, I think it's very important that when one is going to do something, one does everything with a purpose. So why would, why would I try, you know, my hand at a number of things that I don't have a, a desire to, I don't believe I can succeed. Um, the probability of success is so remotely low, I would need to get other, you know, people in more familiar with it. So let me focus on things that I know I can do. Um, maybe not 100% no, but I have a strong, you know, calculated ability to this is going to be successful and I'm going to pursue that. And that's kind of what has guided me in all of my business activities um and you know i haven't always worked for myself i i have worked for other people when i graduated and um from my undergrad i, I ended up working in accounting for a number of years i worked for two of the big four companies at, at different periods i worked for a few uh privately held companies too but i probably worked for other people for maybe eight or so give or take years out of that in addition to doing my own business stuff on the side and that has grown considerably since then but i certainly learned like by dabbling into um my work and my business just how much more rewarding that is to be your own boss and if i did fail if you know i would rather fail because it's me because it's it's my undertaking i don't want to be a victim of a corporate layoff you know or be told with bureaucracy what i can say or, or what i can't say um, or just go through the politics of office. You know, you got to be at these meetings simply because we said so. Like, what, what is the point of that? So um, I've learned a lot, too, over, over that period of time and what not to do, what I'd like to do. Um, and I like to win. Yeah. So why, why focus on a losing bet? Yeah. It's all, you know, it's all calculated. One of the challenges that I think I will face as I get older you know, I've been thinking about the Fibonacci theorem and the, the spiral kind of snail's shell and trying to embody that in my life. And what I mean by that is you take a small thing that works and you, and you, and you scale it. So these decisions that, that I'm making now that are affecting a small outcome one day can be many, many times the scale. And if you set bad habits of making decisions and fighting wars that you're, or battles that you're not sure that you can win, when you do that at a scale, you face the same likelihood of failure and people, but the problem is other people's money is usually on the line um, at that larger scale. Other people are involved. If you mess up, it's not just on you. It, it affects other people. And I don't think it inspires a lot of confidence uh, to undertake huge projects and then p potentially drop them. It's much better to have a reputation for picking the right battles, and when you say you'll do something, it gets done. That's, yeah. that's the best reputation, 
rather than he may be able to get it, but we don't know. And nobody may be able to get it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a much more insecure position. So I do see what you're saying. I think that... Um, I think this is fine for where my life is right now because I could completely crash and burn and restart and be completely fine. Just being 26. That's one of the best parts about it. But as I get older, I'm going to have to get better at picking battles that I can win because the risk tolerance becomes lower and lower with with each in increasing year. So it's it's precarious. But my goal is to be a billionaire, and I'm not going to be able to get there with safe bets. In fact, there's no conceivable way I can think of to get there right now without a massive risk. No, yeah, I mean, if you're if that is the goal, that is a monumental war to be fought. Mm -hmm. And how does one win that war? That's a hard question. Many people never even engage in such a war. You know, what battles do you need to pick? What battles can you win? I mean, the problem is when you're engaging in such an all-out conflict of becoming a billionaire, you're going to have a lot of casualties. And those casualties are going to be not just your money, but as you said, other people's money. is going to be your reputation, too. What if you sat on all these things and you fail? Not only will that hurt your reputation and other people's money, it will hurt possibly your own confidence as well. So to set out to to win that i mean that, that's hard but of course i think one should step back and say like what is the goal of becoming a billionaire why is it simply to have a certain number would you have the same standard of living if you had a hundred million so perhaps some people simply that's the real battle they need is not a billion you know yeah it's a hundred million so it just depends you know yeah. but uh that that's something not not anybody can just go out and do and that's something that very few people achieve and maybe some people actually do do achieve it. I mean, we know they do. Some people right. do. But um, have you ever looked at like why they succeed? Was it all chance? Was was it was it calculated? I think that if somebody was really ambitious and said, "I want to achieve, you know, be the top 0.1 percent of income earners in America," one should look at them. One should look at how they live, what they did right, what they did wrong. And learn from it because I mean we're talking about a small group here a group that can be studied a group that you could at least glean some insights for because w with any sort of you know war you have to you know have some competitive intelligence absolutely learn from the enemy <laughs> exactly or you know maybe in this case those who fought similar similar wars in, in alternative yeah. fields. well I, you know I'm inspired by Steve Jobs yeah I'm you know, I'm genuinely inspired by a lot of the people who created technology that changed the world. And I noticed that you know, this one quote keeps coming to mind. I've had very cyclical thinking recently, like really deep, like metaphors or quotes or sayings or mantras that just keep swirling around my head. And one is from Steve Jobs which is that the people who are crazy enough to believe they can change the world are the ones who do. And it's true because you, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you are right. So those pieces of wisdom are just bubbling around like, I can do something, like, I can really do this. 
I, it really is up to me. It's like, I, it feels like the doors are open. And it's almost like a spiritual test of, do I have the confidence to believe I can do this and actually set out different things and actions in life to get to that goal versus just saying it and not doing anything. Of course, that's not, not gonna do anything, but to have the confidence to actually structure your life in a way that will potentially end up with that goal of yours takes a lot of guts because there's an opportunity cost. Yeah, let me let me ask you, when you were in my position, let's say you're mid-20s, how committed were you to that path that you saw for yourself and how willing were you to kind of change it? Well, I certainly definitely, you know, I think that it's something that you look at it, you evaluate and you make game time decisions. And that's something I did. I mean, like I said, I did start out in accounting um, after I graduated my undergrad. I worked in it for a number of years. I was quickly promoted. Um, so by 2015 or was it 2016, I was managing an accounting department. Okay. And um, that's really kind of like the, the plateau I got in the accounting field. And I realized that that sort of trajectory, that sort of career path was really wasn't what I was looking for. Um, you know, I looked at what, what was the upside. I mean, honestly, one of the reasons I chose accounting was I still remember my intro to business class as a sophomore in college. And the teacher kind of shared, like, what is the average salary of these different majors? And accounting is at the top. So I thought, well, I should go accounting. Um, it, it would pay me the best. And then, um, I mean, accounting for me is very easy. So I thought it, it would be, uh, you know, pretty simple. And in a similar respect, I know some people who I went to school with and they looked at similar tables and they said, well, actuaries make the most money. And they're like, oh, computational, you know, sort of work is easy for me. I'll go into actuarial science. And they did. And most of them say their lives are very boring, but they make a lot of money. Um, so I felt like, you know, that might be okay for them. But maybe it wasn't okay for me because I had still planned to do own, my own business ventures on the side and other things. And then, but again, when you look at it, like what's the opportunity cost? What's the potential? Um, where do I see myself in life? And grinding away, managing people, doing routine accounting was not it. Um, so I did. I, I made a game time decision to, to change that. And I did some financial analysis. I was a senior financial analyst uh, for a major global uh, recruiting firm for a short period of time too, before I decided that it was just better to focus on my own things, that it, it afforded me the ability to live my life better, the quality of life, working from home permanently. Uh, and this was back, um, you know, well before people started working from home, or this was in 2018 when I, at the end of 2018, I started working for myself full time. And that was the right decision. So um, I definitely think one can make changes. And it's not like the things I did beforehand were unsuccessful or they're failures and, I, and I'm giving up and I'm like a phoenix and I'm dying in the ashes, you know, and I'm rising up. It wasn't that. No, no, I, I still do accounting. I do accounting on the side. I'm a CPA now. And um, people who contact me who need um, tax advice or financial advice, I provide that on the side as well as part of a separate business that, that I do. Um, so it's not like the things that I did before uh, were unsuccessful. I mean, like, I, I still have good relationships with many people I work with. Um, it, it taught me a lot about interacting in a corporate culture and a corporate environment. Um, I learned different softwares. Um, it, it certainly was very valuable, but you build off of it. So you don't have to anymore like our grandparents did. You work at a place 
and you just work for it, you know, whole life when you retire. I mean, I still think that's the mindset. Like my grandfather, he's close to 90 right now. He still thinks I don't work. Um, he just can't believe it because the thought of working from home, the thought of working for yourself, uh, he, he just doesn't comprehend it. He can't. Like I've tried to explain it and it's just beyond him. He's like, unless you're going to a job at a store and you're working there and then you leave at the end of the day, go home, it can't be a job. <laughs> totally different mindset. He's like, you can't work unless you do that because he was a mechanic. So that's the only thing he knew. So for him, like, it's like, oh, you know, Matthew must not work. And I've just given up on that conversation. So yeah, yeah different mindsets, but that kind of uh, changes. I mean, I'm sure that's a generational thing. Maybe, maybe, you know, in a few generations, it will change even more. So who knows? And I certainly hope that there are more people pursuing their own independent uh, endeavors and their own entrepreneurial uh, ambitions. I know when I did my study abroad program in Doha, in Qatar, in the end of 2015, they were really trying to encourage entrepreneurship in the country. So it's glad to see on a, on a global scale, even in places where uh, generally entrepreneurship is very much culturally not accepted, it's good to see that that's getting more mainstream. And <clears throat> I certainly hope that there will be other changes too in the overall ecosystem for how that works because to have people burdened by you can only have one job you, you have to be tied to this and we will tell you when you can take off and if you just don't have time then you can't do these other things with your family you can't experience life it's just not right yeah. because life is meant to to be lived and if that is the um the flexibility of working for yourself that i think would be very effective for a lot of people to, because, I mean, what is it to be extraordinary, right? I mean, to, to live an extraordinary life. Yeah. Uh, that is a, a life that you look back and you think, well, I really lived it. Yeah. You know, you would hate to look back and think, I really missed it. I missed these events. I missed these people. I never went to these places. I never did these things. And, I mean, no one even knows how long you're going to live. I mean, you could die tomorrow. You could die in five years. You could live for, you know, 80 more years. Nobody knows. So treat every day like, you know, you're putting your best foot forward, you're doing the best you can for the world and keep it going, you know, Absolutely. but don't ever feel like, you know, you're a failure or anything. Just if you need to restart, that's fine. Yeah. I think that's really important that that concept of if you completely crash and burn, you completely fail, you can just com just restart. You can create and, and actually that thanks to the global nature of our world thanks to the fact that we have an internet where you can make up a new name and start a new anonymous business you, you don't need to bank on your name you can change it you can you know you can restart there's you know the the economy is so accepting of everybody right now i think that particularly in the last few years, there's been a focus on making sure that everybody can participate in the economy. So now we're, I think, green light, we're good um, in terms of opportunity for everybody to enter and become an entrepreneur. The only missing key is that education element. We both went to business school. We have a really keen understanding of how business works the current business environment, the players. I'm sure we could independently list hundreds of companies that we know. I mean, this. so we've been trained in business. And so for us to say, we can go off and start our own business and be successful is 
liter it's true because we have the training. There's a lot of people who don't have that training. So what would you recommend to somebody who maybe is in high school, they can't afford college. And they're facing that life where they may be a mechanic or maybe working for one company for the rest of their lives. They don't have that education to break out and start their own business. What do you, what do you recommend for them? Well, um, a couple of things. One, I don't usually encourage people to just up and start their business right away. It's I think it's important to work for other people. It's important to see how things work, to learn from other people. The notion that even even if you went to college, you know, I'm graduated and now I'm starting my own business, I wouldn't really recommend that to people. I mean, there's so much value that comes from learning from others, seeing that, you know, an environment, like I said, I worked for other people for a while. I learned a lot about how things work, how businesses work, uh, how different functions work. Um, sales or marketing or 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 IT and and just how companies interact and and you know how software works in different environments so I learned a lot there and there's a lot to be learned there um, it's important though to approach it with a very open mindset so if you're just taking a role at a place which is fine after you're graduating don't be so singular focus on I'm just doing my job every day and that's it um, I'm not saying to go out and volunteer for other work because, I mean, if you're being paid the same amount, you know, well, why take on extra work? But but learn from other people is what I'm saying. You know, learn from other colleagues, learn from the business, read up on how businesses work. There's, I mean, there's a great myriad of books out there that one can le le learn from for um, how to be an entrepreneur, how businesses work, what what are, how do you, you know, do marketing, how do you do... Um, uh, basic business accounting how does you know finances work or lending how do you start a business what are the legal requirements I mean there's so many questions out there and it shouldn't be something that you feel overwhelmed by because the answers are out there so learn from people go to work and then use the internet I mean what a great tool you know yeah. use the internet there's so much out there of course you know uh, you know filter it don't just treat every single thing you read as it must be true you know I mean corroborate and, and read on it. I mean, there's so many niche things you could talk about, for instance, with accounting or finance or, or, or legal that, I mean, maybe this is true, but it doesn't apply to this situation. So there's things like this. So I'm not saying get too granular. I'm just saying learn from people, uh, learn from businesses. And lastly, you know, give mentors, you know, a mentor or two, somebody who you're like, you know, I'm just starting out. I'd really like to learn from you. Find somebody who you feel very open with, somebody who you think you can aspire to be, somebody whose um, who's life or, or work ethic or example is something you want to imitate. You know, see if, and a lot of people are, you know, would be honored to be like, oh, can I be a mentor? I mean, that's not like a conversation where, you know, you, you, people act like you're treating it like I'm asking for a raise. Like, how can I have this very awkward conversation? How do I approach it? No, it's just like, you know, you know, go in and say, hey, so-and-so, uh, I, you know, I'd really like the opportunity to, to learn from you. You know, I mean, I'm not looking for something form, formal, but can you just be like an informal mentor to me? I, I'm sure I might have some questions. Would you mind answering those for me and teaching me some stuff, you know, about XYZ topic or business in general and, and learn that way, you know? Absolutely. <clears throat> the thing is, no matter... If you're graduating high school, if you're graduating college, if you're post that, you gotta learn. Every single day you need to learn something. And I mean, my grandfather, um, not the one I mentioned before, the, my other grandfather, he's no longer alive, but when he was alive, he always said that 
um, learning is so important. He said the day you stop learning is the day you die. And he believed that you learn something every single day. You should not let a single day pass without learning something. And the notion that we've learned all of a topic or we've learned enough about really anything is simply false. I mean, there's so much changing. Uh, there's so much we can learn, even not just about business, but I mean, I'm always, you know, surprised with uh, people's poor knowledge on geography or history. People just don't know things. I'm mean, like, you should be learning. Like, how do you not know this? You know, I recently quizzed some people because, you know, as I said, I went to 48 states. So I, w I don't know, it was under five minutes. I took out a blank map and I wrote the name of every state on there and I had other people do it too. And I mean, some people only scored like nine, nine out of 50, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and some people- Even that's pretty good. <laughs> nine? Oh, I mean, uh, maybe for the capitals. After that, I was going to ask them to do capitals, but after that, I just couldn't, have, I didn't have the heart. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, they might get one. So I'll, I'll pass on that. But there's just so much to learn, you know? Yeah, there is. Why let life pass without learning? Absolutely. And to touch on your mentorship topic, I've had probably a dozen mentors in my life. This is not me. I am a product of the people that I've chosen to mold me. And I think you have to look at yourself the same way. You have to put your pride aside and say, I am incomplete, I am full of flaws, and unless I can open myself up to the world and be vulnerable and share how I need to be better, it won't happen. Like, unless you put yourself out there and recognize that you're not perfect and recognize that you need to get better and really see the flaws and, and grill people about them. Be like, I'm bad at this. How do I fix it? Tell me how to fix it. Tell me what you did. Tell me what you're doing. Like, you need to really mine the answers that, that, you, that you need. You, you can't just expect people to just tell you how to be better or that you're great as you are. You know, that's one of the biggest lies that you could ever tell somebody is, you know, you're, you're perfect, don't change. You know, because nobody's perfect and everybody needs to change in some way. And that's really all you can do in this life is improve yourself. You can't change other people. You can help them change themselves and that's about it. And so, yeah, so it's, it's really important and also to see other people that way, that you are also the product of the people who led you. And that on your own, if you, ha if you didn't have the people who told you from an early age, you're set to be this boss and you have that like image in your head, that fire that's like keeping you going, like, yes, other people see it too. And we're all this product of the collective that surrounds us. And uh, so I think, yeah, mentorship is so critical. I, you know, I'm a very impressionable person. I have to be very careful who I spend my time with because I'll start emulating whoever I'm around. It doesn't matter. Um, and I recognize this about myself early enough where now I can kind of talk about it in kind of a fun way because I've solved for it. I, I don't surround myself with negative people or people who distract me too much or people who aren't in the same mindset of success. That's really critical. Like if your number one goal is just to do nothing on the couch all day, we can't really connect. I can't be around that. I need to be around people like yourself who every day are striving to make themselves better and and seeing each day as potentially their last day. You know, that's something I emulate as well. Like if this was my last day, how would I live it? And it's exactly like this. I would sit down and record an incredible podcast with somebody I love and 
just try to enjoy the day. Not focus on rushing or going to the next thing, but really be in the moment and li- live the moment to, to its maximum. That's that's all that matters. I think I think you're right. You know, I, I know I've talked to you in the past about one of the best books I've ever read was Getting Things Done by David Allen. And his premise of his book is that minds are for having ideas, not holding them. So free your mind, free your consciousness, enjoy life. And in order to do that, all of these things that nag us in life, I need to do this, I forgot this at the store, I need to drop this off, what's going on tomorrow, when is this due, I never responded to that email, like all of this stuff needs to be logged in various sorts of lists or projects with different sorts of actions, items, and tags. There's a whole methodology and system that I won't get into, but I mean, he does in his book and he has his own podcast, he has his own resources. I mean, I read that book uh, when I was in college because a mentor at the time, so I was also the president of the investments club, and we had a man come in who was a vice president at um, a Wells Fargo branch. And he, he is somebody who I looked up to. He was certainly very successful in his field. He was a nice guy. He made time for me. He made time for others, even though he was certainly very busy. He had a very nice corner office in the downtown tower in Minneapolis. Um, he played tennis. I like tennis. Uh, he talked about you know living a very active life, waking up early, exercising, enjoying the day. And he was very big into reading. And then he was very big into ideas and learning. And he gave me a list of you know four or five like really great books he said that changed his life. And and that one was certainly one for me. And um, I put into practice a lot of those principles in that book because I really think that as the author says, minds are for having ideas, not holding them. So how do we live in that moment? How do we live in the day? How do we know that what I'm doing now is what I should be doing? I need to know everything else is captured and categorized or if it's delegated to somebody else, it's somehow tagged so I know to follow up on it. Like there's so many different tools and apps. Uh, I mean, it can work with, you know, email accounts, but the philosophy itself was very key for me. And I think that the busier you are, um, the more important it is. And I looked at this guy and he, he had time. He had plenty of time. I'm like, oh, you do all these things and you're in all of these groups and you're in this tennis club and you have all these random meetings with the state attorneys and you're growing this huge practice. And he act like he had fine, you know, enough time. Because what he was doing right now, he knew that's what he could do because everything else was categorized. And I do the same thing. So, I mean, even in college, people would be like, how are you, how do you have the time? You're running, you know, you're in college. You took, I'm taking more than a full load my my last year. Um, I'm running, um, you know, really two businesses at that time. I'm looking to get a full-time job for that main income. And, you know, I, I met with a, a CFO, a guy who um, I knew from, from the area who was introduced to me. He's like, how do you have time for all this? He's like, I'm exhausted hearing about this. And I'm like, it just, you know, you just need to categorize it. You just need to manage your time. And those, you know, besides goal setting, I think productivity is essential. It is essential. So as long as you know what you should be working on, what's logged, and I think a lot of people do it wrong. They just treat calendars the same as to-do lists or they mix up. There's many different tools. You need a lot of different ones. As long as you use it right, that will free you up. That will allow you to be that extraordinary person because you might be thinking, how can I run a business? I mean, it's just too much. It's just too much to undertake. 
how, how could I do it? Or how could I continue to keep a full-time job, but I want to dabble in something on the side? Or I want to plan for something. I mean, it is a lot, but as long as you manage it using a productivity system, it's easy. Yeah. I mean, you could do three of them at once as long as you have a good system like this. You could be running multiple businesses. I'm sure people like Elon Musk and others have something like this too. Oh, yeah. They're not just thinking about, oh, I got this random email and oh yeah, I got this, got this subpoena to worry about and I got to testify at Congress. No, he's not thinking about this. And you know, I'm sure he has a lot of people too supporting him, but how do you make sure things don't get lost? And that's one thing I think that really separates successful people because it will destroy your credibility if you keep forgetting things. I forgot about that meeting, I never showed up. You know, I, I never sent you the thing on time, I'm sorry. That, that presentation never happened. I mean, people who are always late and always apologizing and just never on to things, it's hard for me to get along with those people. Like you said, you don't get along with people just laying on the couch all day, I understand that. And in the same respect, I have a hard time getting together with people who don't value other people's time, who blow off people's time, who just, uh, maybe it's not malicious at all, but they just simply don't know how to manage time. And it's hard for me to relate to that because time is so important. I mean, it has to be managed just like people put so much time managing money. You know, time is an asset. Why do we put all of this time managing our finances, our investments, our retirement plans, our taxes, and we should do all that. I'm not saying we shouldn't, we should do all that, but treat your time the same. Yeah. Time is an even more valuable commodity. Oh yeah. It's, it's the, I would argue the most because um, everything else can be increased and time is the only one that is just, there's no way to increase it. It's more or less predetermined. We, we have no idea when we will go and you, you are tasked with finding the answer to why you were born. And that to me is the most extraordinary adventure. Um, you know, they say like, what, you know, what's the secret to life or all that. And it's really on us as individuals to answer for our own selves. I believe in some form of reincarnation. I think there's an age to everybody's spirit or soul. You know, some people you see them, you like, you have an old soul or you have a young soul. I've been noticing recently a personality trait of uh, still water. So if you imagine a lake with still water versus a river, like a with, with a lot of movement and air bubbles and white froth, there are people that fall into one of those two categories. Some people are just totally still water, totally still. You can you can do a cannonball into the water. And the lake is so big that it's just a little ripple. There's nothing that can move this water. And there's others that it's just constantly rushing water, loud, uh, chaotic, sharp, or whatever uh, turns. And my goal is to embody still water, to not be moved too much by any one thing. And I think that's something you do really well. You are still water. Um, and that's kind of a new concept for me, but it's like, it's almost like if you were to figure out like, what's the best way to live? It would be to live in a way where you're not overly troubled by anything that you can kind of take each, each day without emotion and decide what the best things to do are without, you know, reacting too much. I think it also matters on, you know, the personality type. Um, so like, you know, I certainly do not believe in reincarnation at all. 
Um, but I do know that, I mean, I've learned it many times that there's certain different personality types. I mean, you talk about it with people talk about, you know, strengths finder or all these different, you know, assessments and there's different ways to categorize people. You know, you have the Myers-Briggs test and I won't get into like whether or not those are actually valid or not based on, you know, metadata or whether or not those are actionable. That's a totally separate topic on, you know, I've, I've had with, you know, PhDs, but generally speaking, people for a long time have said there's certain different kinds of people in this world, certain kinds of temperaments. And the ancients believed that too. There, it used to be believed like there were four different temperaments. You know, you had the sanguine person, you had the melancholic person, you had the choleric person, um, and then you had a fourth. So the ancients believed it was based on something in your biology. Like the sanguine person is somebody we would talk about as being just, they're just a happy person. They're always happy, they're excited, they're energized. That was the sanguine person. That was the outgoing person. And the ancients believed because they had an overabundance of blood in their body. Uh, the melancholic person, that's who you think about. That guy's just always down. He's always, everything's always bad. It, you know, nothing's going to happen good. And, you know, it's just, just not working out. Um, look at the choleric, that's where I fit in. And I was overwhelmingly choleric. And those were people who the ancients believed have an overabundance of bile produced by their liver. But those were people who were the people who were just the most ambitious, who were always going out, who always wanted to uh, succeed, who always wanted a champion for it. And, the, you know, people in the ancients or the medieval world even like put people in different buckets. And like St. Paul was, for instance, in the choleric bucket, somebody who was just relentless, going forward, never stopping, always working. And, um, you know, you can do different like tests online for these two. And again, I don't, I don't want to know if they're actually, you know, how accurate they are or how actionable they are. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, there are certain different kinds of people in this world. And I think that the people who are the most choleric, those who are like, yeah, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to charge ahead. I'm going to achieve what I'm doing. And I'm not going to be blown around like, you know, wheat in the wind. You know, those are the people who are going to succeed. Those are maybe like your still water people, not yeah. troubled by the earthquakes around them, the avalanches, you know. We get to something in the road, you know, the melancholic person like, oh, all hope's lost. I'm just going to abandon everything. You know, the business failed, you know, and the sanguine person is busy chatting up with other people and just, you know, just having a good time. The choleric's like, I'm only focused on getting around this because I have to get forward. I have to pursue my goal. I have to be successful. How do I clear this mountain? How do I get around it? There's another path. Maybe we should tunnel. That's what that person thinks like. So I think that a lot of business owners at least successful ones go into that. Right. <clears throat> and I think you have to have an objective. You know, if you're going to be successful, it, you got to think about it. You know, there's so many good strategy books out there in business, you know, like the Blue Ocean Strategy. Don't go into something where everybody else is doing it. You know, don't just, you know, I, I come from a small town in Illinois originally, and, you know, some people in town were like, we like dogs. We should invest our whole life savings in a pet store right here. And then you see, like, a year later, it's closed. I'm sure they're out, you know, their life savings. So just because you like something doesn't mean it's a business. Doesn't mean it's worth pursuing. Certainly doesn't mean it's worth pursuing in that location with those products, with that, those customers. How do you scale it? Even for an online business, is this worth pursuing? What are the ramifications? Or how do you entrench yourself in a sort of monopoly-like state so other people just can't rush in and, and steal what you're doing? There's 
so many considerations and there's so much you could learn from a mentor or good business strategy or, or planning ahead. But I think again, the mindset, you got to have that mindset that temperament even if even if you have traits of you know I'm a little pessimistic here or I like to go out and socialize you still got to be like I'm going to focus on my goals and my goal is not a hobby it's my life mm -hmm. and I'm pursuing I'm achieving my vocation in life whatever I'm meant to do I will achieve it I will actualize it I will press ahead mm -hmm. always press ahead every single day and that's how I think you'll be extraordinary yeah. you got to keep going forward you never turn around, you never go backwards, maybe you divot around that mountain, you tunnel underneath it, you don't give up, you press forward every single day and you never stop learning. Yeah, it's that, that mentality that winners always win, mm -hmm. no matter what. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. So you know you can win. It might not, you, winning might not be what you think like when you're starting. It might look different, the actual win, I mean I'm sure you know, not everybody anticipates losing money or things, but there might be valuable lessons there. And it might ultimately have just been a battle, a part of the larger war, you know, but you learn from it, you press ahead. That's what it's about. And I think it's also uh, fun to think about the sheer scale of success. In the past, people were able to overtake many countries and put them under their own rule. And just the thought that at my age, I could take over a country if I had an army, and that I'm working at a corporate job, I have a podcast, I'm building a business, I'm trying to grow, but you take that my current life and you compare it to the life of like a, a conqueror or an emperor, I'm not even 1% of the way there, I'm not even close. The scale of what we can achieve in this life is so enormous, it's difficult to even realize that we can do it. Mm -hmm. Look at Alexander the Great. He died at a young age and look at everything, you know, he ultimately achieved. And I mean, maybe you might say some of it was coerced. Maybe not everybody wanted to follow him, but he certainly led people to the battle. But I mean, you look at people achieving all sorts of great causes. I mean, if you look at somebody like St. Ignatius of Loyola, he started an order. People voluntarily chose to join him and travel all around the world for his missionary work. And it spread, you know, to ultimately now hundreds of thousands of people because he had a vision and people gravitated towards that and followed it willingly. So whether or not you're a conqueror, you started, in a, you know, his, his order or so many other people, people gravitate towards people who have that inspiration and who they can follow and... I mean, maybe not everybody's meant to be that. Not everybody can be Alexander the Great. Not everybody can be Hannibal. Not everybody can be, you know, um, Charlemagne. But everybody can certainly achieve something to play a role in it, to achieve that goal, to work forward, to grow from it. So, you know, there's a lot of potential out there. But yeah, just because you're saying I'm young does not, for one instance, means you cannot do great things right now. Because there are people out there who lived and died in their 20s and achieved extraordinary things and will forever be etched in history. Yeah, and it's that bravery to, to know that you can do it. Set out, strategize, and um, there's no limit to what you can achieve.
Well, Matt, I want to thank you for sitting down. This has been a really incredible conversation, and I've learned quite a bit. You know, you said you have to learn something every day, and I learned quite a bit in this conversation. No, that's good. That's my goal. My goal is teaching people every single day. Excellent. I am a teacher. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been a great lesson. Oh, so. Thank you, Alex. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.